crocodile hunter. Johnny, can you open us up with a quote? Yep, this is a quote from the man himself. You know, you can touch a stick of dynamite, but if you touch a venomous snake, it'll turn around, bite you, and kill you so fast, it's not even funny. Crikey, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a little ad-lib, but... That's a very Steve Irwin quote. Yeah. He, uh... He's a very enthusiastic guy, so I can picture him saying it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't hold a candlestick to, like, his enthusiasm, but... You say you don't hold a dynamite stick? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, exactly. So, do you have any... Going into this, did you have any... um, Did you have any preconceived notions about Steve Irwin? About... as far as what you thought about him, and then we'll get into kind of what we learned. Yeah. Um, but going into it, I mean, all I knew was Crocodile Dundee. Mm-hmm. I would watch that show. He was electric. Absolutely electric. Did you? Enthusiastic guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you watch it as a kid or? I think so. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember any episodes. When I was researching, I watched some clips from the show, and I don't remember anything in particular where I used to watch it on like the Animal Planet or anything like that. Yeah. No. Then there was the one thing I also remember as a kid was the "This Is Sports Center" commercial, where in the Sports Center office building. They there's the alligator mascot, and then Steve Irwin pops out of the elevator. It's like she's a beaut, <laughs> and then like jump behind, wrestles the mascot to the ground. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, I thought that was the funniest thing. And it's like that's what I remember of Steve Irwin. All right, so Steve Irwin was born on February twenty second, nineteen sixty two. In all right, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of this town. <laughs> Essendon, basically the suburb of Melbourne, yeah. Australia. Fun fact: uh, born on his mom's birthday. Yes, he was, which is uh, one in three hundred sixty-five chance. <laughs> <laughs> is it? There's uh, hmm. to be born on your mom's birthday. I I bet you could run the probability of yeah. being born on one of your parents' birthday. There is a famous mathematical probability of if you have two people who are born on the same day, how many people do you need in a room? And it's like isn't it, isn't it like eighteen or something like that? Something around I don't know, but it is. Around 30 people, the chance is 95%, or like a pretty high chance that those, but it makes no sense because you would think. Yeah, you would think it's way higher. Yeah. Um, I just looked it up. The probability paradox 23 people. So 23 people in a room, which uh, is pretty crazy. And what's the probability there? Does it say? Or just like. 50% 50% that yeah. two people have the same birthday. Yeah. Once you get to 70 people, it's 99.9%. Wild. Which doesn't sound as impressive. <laughs> 70, no. 70 people. 
I feel like it, yeah. Well, either way. <laughs> it happened. It happened. So he was born to Bob and Lynn and uh, started out his life outside of, just outside of Melbourne. And Bob was a plumber uh, by trade and also was an avid uh, herpetologist, which is uh, the study of reptiles and amphibians. So it was kind of, he was an amateur herpetologist, but he, it was something that he really loved to do. And then Lynn was a wildlife rehabilitator. Um, so she would take in animals and nurse them back to health and then re-release them into the wild. So yeah. when he would, he was born into um, a very pro-wildlife family. Yeah. You see, you see where he came from. Yep. His dad was Steve Irwin before Steve Irwin. Yeah. And his 100%. mom also very involved in wildlife. I think at some points, at some point, was a maternity nurse. So, yeah, very, I feel like, nurturing environment. Yeah, very nurturing. Wildlife involved. Yeah. So, um, he basically just got obsessed with animals at a very young age. And uh, he got his first python at the age of six. It was named Fred. That's great. It's just absurd. Yeah. Fred the Scrubby. I don't know what a scrub python is, but yeah, Steve said it was his best friend growing up. This five foot long python. Which is wild. Um, So then in 1970, they purchased four acres of land and moved uh, to Queensland and started a reptile park called the Queensland Reptile and Fauna Park. Uh, and they all moved out of the city, moved to this reptile park. They were living in a caravan for a while because they spent all their money starting up buying the land and starting up the park. So yeah. for a few years, they lived basically in an RV at the park. Yeah. Yeah. Man, such a wildlife family. And very money-pinching, I, I heard early on. They had makeshift heaters because keeping... They're reptiles, cold-blooded, so you gotta, like, measure their, you know, maintain yeah, their temperature can, somehow. Yeah, they regulate their own temperature. Yeah. I think they just had, like, makeshift, you know, heaters. It, it sounds like they were pinching money. Yeah. I, I didn't know all the, like, you know, that they started out as snakes and stuff you know, because I just knew him as a crocodile. He was a person. crocodile guy. Yeah, and the snakes is, you know, personally not a big fan of snakes. They creep me out. The whole venom thing is just terrifying to me. Yeah, the, because you can watch videos of him holding venomous oh, snakes by the tail, and yeah. they're within striking distance, and he's like on camera. Yeah, yeah. Twirling the snake around. Unreal. Not afraid. Talking about how venomous it is and how it's how he'll die if he yeah, gets bit yeah and it gets relatively close oh yeah and i mean it, he had a python at age nine like pythons can strangle people it's 100 percent real he he at one point he almost got strangled by a python yeah when he was he was feeding a python and uh and it 
jumped, got got a hold of him, and almost Damn. almost took all the all the air out of him. Yeah, was yeah. it at their zoo? I'm assuming. Yeah, it was at the zoo, and then yeah. his mom just happened to be walking by, and she she was able to get it off of him. But it was it had constricted him to the point where he almost he couldn't even yell out. To That's her crazy because the way that when pythons constrict you, the way that it works is like every time you exhale, it tightens. Damn. So you think you breathe in, <laughs> and then if you breathe out air, your chest decompresses, and then it takes that space, so you can't wow. breathe in again. Smart. That makes, so yeah. yeah. So you only get like one yeah. breath, basically. Yeah. And he has this experience, and just I feel like it still keeps working at the zoo. Has his career. He uh, yeah it's crazy. He, he was definitely. Um, he definitely had his close calls, but he had such an amazing attitude about it. Yeah. Where um, he always kind of felt that animals should be allowed to behave the way that they're going to behave. And even he was never mad at an animal for yeah. trying to yeah. be aggressive towards him or anything like that. Yeah. And then um, I feel before this, when I think of someone who's really into reptiles, I don't think they get a good rep. If you're a snake person, I don't think you have a good reputation. In you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of weird almost to have they're an obsession not, with they're snakes. They're not the cute, fluffy animal. Yeah, yeah. But Steve is, he's a good poster boy for snake people. Oh, he, yeah. He's a great uh, spokesperson for yeah. uh reptiles and that was something that he wanted was that he wanted to be a spokesperson for crocodiles and say that they're beautiful powerful creatures yeah, and that everybody yeah. should love them and not try to kill them because that was one of the issues that he encountered was that crocodiles would end up in areas where um, people were just afraid of them and they were just gonna and the mentality was just to kill what you're afraid of yeah. so the crocodiles would just get murdered by yeah. and poached I think that's how his dad went from snakes, reptiles, to they added crocodiles to the farm. Was I, I think there was this, in Australia, they made the crocodiles villains, mm -hmm. and they wanted to do their part, you know. Kind of cure the misconception. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when he was nine so they moved to the, they moved out to the reptile and fauna park when he, he was eight and then when he was nine he wrestled and captured his first alligator or <laughs> his first crocodile which is uh yeah which yeah. is which is pretty wild at age nine under the yeah. supervision of his dad yeah and his dad basically kind of taught him everything he knew when it came to um, conservation and um, going out on these expeditions to go capture crocodiles and, and yeah. move them to safer areas yeah um he started doing it at a, at a really young age yeah it was a Irwin father-son moment mm. you know most people it's just playing catch <laughs> and the Irwin family is jumping a croc <laughs> at yeah. night jumping jump the croc at night yeah. going out for days at a time trying to capture a, a single crocodile yeah, and Steve loved it. It, he, it was not like he was pushed into it. He oh yeah, was. I mean, 
as a kid, he was literally in the woods at recess at school, capturing lizards and stuff. And yeah, uh, there was one close call where uh, he captured some poisonous snakes. I remember, yeah, I heard this one. Put them in a cooler and then brought them on the school bus home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he got in trouble. Yeah, his, his, his dad came down hard on that. But that's, yeah, he's what, you know, 10 years old. He's a young kid just out there catching venomous snakes, bring them in a cooler, just <laughs> in a in a bus. It's kind of like snakes on the plane. That could have been pretty, pretty terrifying. Snakes, snakes on a bus? <laughs> yeah. It could be a TV show. Oh, Snake, yeah. Snakes on a blank and then they have different episodes for each tv show so there's like snakes on a bus snakes in a car <laughs> snakes in a room snakes i'm, in room I'm terrified <laughs> snakes in a bed Oof. oh man that'd be a short film <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so he, he worked at the park uh throughout his adolescence and this was the this was the park that would eventually become the Australia Zoo. So it's kind of the home base for his entire life, really, was where he moved when he was eight. It was kind of, his whole life kind of stemmed from there. He never yeah. really moved away. Yeah, still operating, run by his family. Mm -hmm. So uh, as the park kind of grew, he started doing demonstrations of himself feeding crocodiles, which is kind of where a lot of his showmanship came out because he was always had that bombastic personality, always was just a real showman. So they started doing crocodile shows where he would feed crocodiles and get way too close, <laughs> as some people would say. Yeah, I mean, that's his personality. One, he just loved the animals. Mm. And then he just has this super outgoing personality. Have you ever been to a crocodile park? Something along those lines? Like, actually, I went to an alligator one in uh, Florida. Okay. Which yeah. They, it was, uh, I was, I must have been 12 when I went. And it was, I remember it was basically like an arena type thing almost like a coliseum type thing where, but not with that many rows, but where there was just an uh, alligator sitting in the middle and you could actually pay and go and put and get on and mount the alligator and like put your hands on it because they would have somebody there just like holding it down. It actually sounds, sounds sketchy. It, it, actually, it actually sounds pretty horrible. The sound, the sound yeah. It, it, sounds not pretty, sound it sounds really demeaning now that I think yeah. about it. Yeah. But yeah, you could you could pay and you get your photo. I was terrified though. I didn't yeah. Do it. Oh yeah. No that. So I've been to some in Myrtle Beach. Mm -hmm. and it's a whole park like a zoo, and they do have these. They feed them, and you know they make like a show of it. I wonder if it, you know, either started with Steve Irwin in that farm, or if it was they just made it popular. But it was, de it's definitely like they have these. He definitely popularized zoos. it, yeah. but it might be a thing that they've been doing in. Yeah, probably. In other areas as well. Yeah. And yeah, worth noting, their zoo 
was very uh, animal friendly. Yeah, very uh, natural habitat. Yeah, and they yeah exactly they try to replicate the natural habitat. So yeah. yeah, anytime that they rescued a crocodile, because they're they're capturing it, but they're rescuing it and they're bringing it to somewhere where it's gonna live a happy life. Yeah, in, in its natural in a natural habitat. Yeah, on their kind of reserve. And typically, they're rescuing this alligator because people complained. The alligators at risk because you know the town folk might go out there and shoot them, shoot yeah. the alligators, and so a lot of times they would rescue the alligators, put them in another location, or you know bring them to the zoo. I got a sound the alarm. You just you just, <laughs> you just said alligator like four times. <laughs> <laughs> the alligators crocodile. Yeah, yeah. Over. <laughs> I'm sorry for calling you out. Because I also did. That's fair. But it's the alligator crocodile comparison is is pretty difficult because so it you can get into the get into the nitty gritty. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Crocodile types versus alligators. Yeah. So alligators are found in the United States. Crocodiles are found in Africa, Australia. Uh, there are crocs in the north america there are yeah but um not as common Wait, excuse me there are <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no when i was talking about so it so am i just wrong is there are there also alligators in australia steve Irwin's a crocodile guy <laughs> yeah, i think i was for guy. sure wrong saying I meant to say crocodile. <laughs> Anything around Steve Irwin, <laughs> crocodile. <laughs> but I mean, he did documentaries on so many different animals. Yeah, that he really definitely did. did both. But he is a crocodile a lot of snakes, hunter. Yeah, yeah, a lot of snakes. But yeah. specifically in Australia, it was the crocodiles. Yeah, and yeah. also there's the freshwater crocodiles versus the saltwater crocodiles. The salties. <laughs> the salties, which are much bigger. Yeah. Than the freshwater exactly. ones. Yeah. Yeah. The that's biggest. Cool. Yeah. And that's that was his wheelhouse. Yeah. I think he had two. Two of them. There was Akko. A-C-C-O. Agro or Akko? There was Akko. And okay. then there was. Or I might be saying that wrong. Mm-hmm. And then Agro. Okay. And Agro was like the, the beast. Yeah. The famous big one. He rescued Agro. People were about to, you know kill him the town folk which when i say that i think of pitchforks and you know <laughs> yeah, like fires <laughs> they're coming down the street and you <laughs> might just see the fire burning yeah and they're coming to take down the the crop the gigantic crocodile yeah which i mean it is dangerous to have a huge crocodile if you have children playing because crocodiles they they aren't necessarily aggressive but if they're provoked they will kill like they kill up like it's fifty percent of the time that they attack, they kill. Yeah. I saw one stat, it said Australia had one crocodile killing a year. And then I saw something else, and both these stats are on the internet. Mm-hmm. The Fact other check. stat yeah. <laughs> the other stat said one thousand people die a year in the world. So I don't know where the truth is. Do one thousand people die in just one in Australia? Australia? I don't know. 
it's just you know the Nile crocodiles doing a lot of damage. But yeah, super crocs. One thousand is a lot. Like I don't think there's one thousand shark killings a year. No chance. No, I don't think so. Although, maybe specifically great whites, because a lot of the shark to go on a tangent. A lot of the shark statistics are on great whites because those are the scariest looking ones. But I think like bull sharks kill the most people. Yeah, bull sharks. Bull sharks, tiger sharks, they are like much more of a threat. Because bull sharks can get, bull sharks go to really shallow water. Yeah, and they're aggressive and they can go fresh water. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of, bull sharks are terrifying now yeah. that I think about it. Oh yeah. I'm of the mind, if I'm in, if I'm below Washington, D.C., if I'm below Maryland and below, any water I'm not familiar with, I'm not swimming in it. Define uh, Like lakes, with. rivers, that type of stuff. I wouldn't just go in a lake randomly in Florida. I mean, I, I'm fine going in, I'm fine oh, going in the ocean. Terrifying. But, yeah. but like lakes down there. You shouldn't just... I wouldn't just start swimming in a lake if I came upon it. Yeah. It's probably irrational. You know, you're probably more likely to die from lightning, I'm sure. Yeah. But... But, I mean, yeah, it's... Well, it, I mean... The warmer it gets, the, the scarier the animals are. Oh, yeah. As a general rule. So... Yeah. yeah, I feel like there's definitely pond, the alligators and ponds and stuff like that. Yeah. And now it's tough to see them, too, because they just kind of poke their nose out. Exactly. So it's tough to... Just their eyes. Realize. Yeah. Steve Irwin on the, it would completely disagree with us, though. He would say, <laughs> just jump right in. Oh, yeah. They won't mind yeah. you. Exactly. He is so... he's He was, like, the ultimate pro-human-animal relations. Oh, yeah. 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 What they did for conservation is immense. So that was that was the kind of mentality that he was developing, and he was gaining his voice yeah. through uh, saving as many animals as he could. And then as time went on, he was able to kind of spread the word more and more. He was they were able to make the park bigger, invite more people in to to educate more people, and then eventually um, he went beyond that. That was their life goal, or his life goal is like educating the masses, yep. being with nature. So in, in that spirit, I got some facts about crocodiles Ooh. that, you know, he would want Let's the educate. world to know. Let's educate the masses <laughs> um, on behalf of Steve. Okay. Some of them we, we covered, but they don't chew at all. They swallow things whole, and their bite is the strongest bite of any animal, period. They have the strongest really? bite. Stronger than hippos? Any. Great whites, they have a stronger bites. But the weird thing... Stronger than a T-Rex. Oof. Ah. <laughs> Don't quote me on this one. <laughs> any existing animal currently. Okay. At least. Sorry, I'm, I'm playing difficult. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's a good question. I mean, it's got to be the T-Rex. In, in my, you know, opinion. But the weird thing is, so they can close strongly, but they can't open their mouth strongly. So, like, a strong human, like Steve Irwin, can, can just wrap his arms around them, and if the mouth is closed, they can't open it. 
but usually if they know they're at threat, they just open their mouth immediately. Yeah, that's like their attack position is yeah. with their mouth open, and then it's like slam the door shut. Yeah, but they can't open the door. Yeah, that's why when strong. you hop on top, when you jump and when you jump a croc, <laughs> you just put your hands down on top of it, and it just can't open its mouth. Yeah, but it can kind of wrangle around. Yeah, yeah. You but, sound like you're talking from experience. When I hop the crocs. <laughs> Should yeah. we? Maybe we should go jump. <laughs> maybe we should go jump some crocs. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'll research. Yeah, could happen. Like, maybe, I, I guess maybe we crocs. gotta go to Florida then. Go, go into one of those ponds, a murky pond. And okay, they can swim twenty miles per hour, hold their breath for an hour, pretty fast. They can run eleven miles an hour on land, like run. So wiggle running eleven miles an hour. What the how? Fa- that's not as fast as. As we are. Yeah. That's what I'm... We, we can't outrun them. Yeah. Which I didn't think that. But, yeah, 11 miles per hour, we can. And I think they can only keep that up for a pretty short distance. Yeah, because from what I've read, uh, it seems like uh, they, they expend a lot of energy and then they... Don't have a lot of endurance at all. Yeah. Yeah. Their fossils date back 200 million years. Everyone knows that. You know, they're the, what do they say, the closest related to dinosaurs. They are technically a dinosaur. I don't know, but they're very old. They look like dinosaurs, that's for sure. Yeah. And they can find home from long distances. So when Steve would relocate them 200 miles away... Sometimes they can still go back to where they came from. Really? Yeah. So what do you think that is that makes it so they can do that? It's like, is it their sense of smell? Is it their... I don't know. That, that's crazy. Imagine... Is it like a magnetic compass that they have ingrained? Because I think a lot of animals are like that, where they, yeah. uh, where they just know where to go. Yeah. 200 miles anyway. is a lot. What if you captured a croc, drove it 100 miles on land, and then put it in a different... Like river, I feel like they couldn't get back. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but they are. And when I was watching Crocodile Hunter, maybe if you blindfolded them, <laughs> you gotta just cover their nose. So yeah, that's some crocodile facts to ponder. Those are some good facts. I didn't, I didn't know some of those. So that's they're such interesting. They're such unique creatures. Yeah. Uh, which I think is why Steve was so interested in them. Yeah. He liked their uniqueness. Yeah. And that they're apex predators. Yeah. Like, you know, forced to be reckoned with. Yeah, they definitely dominate Yeah, the radius in which they live. Yeah. So, as uh, Steve became an adult and he was working at the park, he met his wife, Terry, who... I guess I never really thought about the fact that she's American. She's from Oregon. I, 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 I don't know. Maybe I just hadn't seen enough of her on TV, but uh, I just kind of assumed she was Australian. So she's American. Yeah. I wonder if she picked up the accent. Did she start saying mate, crikey, all that? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. That's pretty hard, hard, <laughs> hard. Yeah. Australian yeah. accent. Yeah. Like, that's like... <laughs> I don't think Australian people say crikey. 
think it's just Steve Irwin. <laughs> just Steve Irwin. Yeah. So she uh, she was doing she would rehabilitate predatory animals in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, which is very similar to what uh, Steve's mom did. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. And she was trying to find a home for a cougar. Yeah. And traveled to Australia before realizing that you that Australia would not allow a cougar <laughs> to be brought yeah, there. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting anecdote yeah. that there was no way that she was going to yeah. be able to bring this cougar. But she went anyways and yeah. was ch- kind of touring some places to see if there was a preserve that could yeah. or, or a reserve that could uh, take in this cougar. Yeah. And that was where she went to one of Steve's shows. Yeah. And that cougar is what got her started with the rehabilitation. She saw some advertisement in the newspaper i believe for where you could buy a cougar and she thought that sounded suspicious paid the place a visit the cougar was very emaciated Mm -hmm. and she asked and the person said they were only feeding the cougar chicken necks and she had a lot of pity for the cougar and just bought this baby cougar just to get the cougar out of that situation. Mm. And this just, you know, led to a lot. And then, yeah, then it got too big and she had to find a place to put it. But it, it takes a, she is a, she was a good match for Steve Irwin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She definitely had the right sensibilities. So she, so she goes to Australia, goes out there for a little bit ends up going to one of his shows and then love at first sight. Yeah. The first time they saw each other, the first time they spoke, they basically immediately fell in love. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be pretty strong connection to, you know, go back to America. You don't have cell phones. You're not texting each other. Yeah. You just, you make that connection and you just go for it. Yeah. So she was there, I think she was there for like a week the first time, and they hung out a couple days, and then she came back for two weeks and worked at the park, and just everything, like, just kept getting more and more serious, and then after four months of kind of intermittently seeing each other, because they were so far away, they were engaged. Yeah. And when she was seeing Steve, he would take her out into the brush of Australia. Like, it takes a special girl to make this work, Steve Irwin. <laughs> to just yeah. go out to the brush. You have, you know, you're just living with, you know, what you can fit in the truck. It's the most dangerous place in the world. Australia is dangerous. Yes, super dangerous. He He's a one-speed kind of guy. <laughs> and so... She she was just the perfect yin to his yang. Uh, Absolutely, so it it was a whirlwind romance, but it maintained spectacularly well for the duration of their marriage. So yeah, yeah, things went great. Uh, so they were engaged after four months, and then wed about eight months. So from the day that they met, they got married eight months later. Crazy, and then she had to go back to the United States because of visa issues 
but then eventually was able to move to Australia. So Australia yeah. was there. She moved to the to the park, and that that became their permanent home. Yeah. And then as time goes on, they renamed the park the Australia Zoo, which is what it's called now. Yep. Which is kind of a great marketing move, if you ask me. Like, what if we opened a zoo and called it the United States Zoo? I know. Especially before they had the fame. What a power move. <laughs> the Australia Zoo. Yeah. Not, the Australia Zoo. Not one of. <laughs> Which, it's just a zoo. Yeah. In Australia. <laughs> but they, they just took the name Australia Zoo. And yeah. it sounds great. It sounds yeah. very official. Yeah. And uh, so the zoo's, it's growing. They built a crocosseum, which is like a coliseum, <laughs> stadium, arena. Mm. That seats 5,500 people. Wow. And that was where they would do the crocodile shows. Yeah. Which is very, very impressive. That's a lot of people. A lot be, of people. To be sitting for a crocodile yeah. show. Yeah, I mean. But it just goes to show how, how uh, much of a big ticket item Steve was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, during this time, he was still doing expeditions and he just was always going out in the in the brush always always capturing and saving crocodiles other animals doing anything and his dad was actually bragging to his friends about some of the exploits that steve had done about some of the crocodiles <laughs> that he captured on his own and they didn't believe him so the reason all the filming started was because his dad told Steve to bring a camera with him when he went to go capture a crocodile so that he could film it, so that his dad could prove to his friends that Steve was actually doing this all by himself. <laughs> so he brought out a camcorder and set it up on a, like a tripod and yeah. then would film himself doing it Yeah. and then bring the, the film back. And that was how he started doing the filming. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable stuff. To just go wrestle a crocodile. Yeah, alone. Yeah, in in the name of science. Yeah, and in conservation. Yeah, but it's unreal. I, I could see why his dad would be like, make a video of this. Yeah. I'm going to go brag about you. <laughs> Definitely. So, uh, as time went, went on, eventually they got a TV show. Yeah. I think the first paid thing, and I could be wrong, but at some point, um, this guy John Staten, mm -hmm. you know, got wind of what Steve could do, and they wanted to make a beer commercial where they would throw a beer, a croc would go for it, it would miss, and then Steve, and then you know, a person would grab it. Came to be Steve, um, and. Everyone else, you know, no, who can pull this off but him? And I think that might have been either like the first paid one or that one helped launch yeah, his, his video career. Yeah, the more commercial side. Yeah. And yeah, and because that was the thing about Steve is that he was, he was always the most aggressive in like his willingness to get close. Yeah. His willingness to toe the line between safety and danger. Yeah. He, um, he felt like he had a special connection with crocodiles, which made it so he could get closer to them than anybody else was willing to do. Yeah. Um, 
which is very intense. The um, yeah, when you watch and the crocs are biting, it's yeah, it's intense. It's I can't wild. imagine actually being there. So uh, he did have a close call with a crocodile, where it did bite him in the leg. Yeah, in like the ankle. Was this before the TV show? Do we know? Was this out in the wild? Was this on TV? This was when he was uh, just doing filming of like a home video. Home like he video? was on his own, and basically he put a crocodile in a net, and then he wasn't paying attention as much to where the head of the crocodile was. So he had this box that he was going to put the because when you capture a crocodile, you put it, in, you drag it, you put a rope through a box. And then you drag the crocodile into the box through the other side. And what he was doing was he was crawling through the box and um, to try to uh, stick the rope through the other side. And while he was like halfway in, the crocodile just kind of like reached over and it couldn't move because it was in the net. But, it, but his leg was within biting distance and it like bit down on his ankle a bit. And then... And there's video of it, and uh, Jeez. yeah, and it it doesn't look, it looks very innocuous when you see it, yeah. But when you think about the bite power of, of a crocodile, yeah, it is pretty tough. And if he if and if he can't get let go, yeah, then... that is crazy. Now he had a lot of close calls, and interesting biting around his ankles. So he always wore Timberlands. So, what what role did the Timberlands play? Yeah, or were they steel toed? <laughs> Maybe you know, if I was on the marketing team of Timberland, yeah. Quick I think, side I think note, work with this. Quick side note to the, the Steve Irwin wardrobe. <laughs> so tan. Oh, He's yeah, only wear, only wears tan like short sleeve button downs. Yeah, which I guess is the. I don't know if. It's like chicken or the egg. Was Steve Irwin wearing these clothes before the zookeepers were? Or did zookeepers start wearing Ooh. all this stuff? Because because I feel like zookeeper... If, if I was a zookeeper now, I would want to dress like Steve Irwin. Good, good question. Yeah. He, he, like, and he basically... Yeah, he basically only wore that tan short shorts, like tan zip, like button-down polo everywhere. Like award ceremony. His, his wardrobe was just probably... 10 of those he was outfits. On, he was on a float on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and he just wore his tan shirt and his shorts. Like, yeah. He doesn't wear pants. Yeah. On Crocodile Hunter, I would see him go swimming and it would be in that same outfit. <laughs> he wouldn't even take his shirt off. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, the, uh, so the, sh- the show started out in Australia and then did really well there. And then Animal Planet was kind of not doing well as... And they needed a marquee show. And so Animal Planet picked up the Crocodile Hunter. And kind of a star was born in the United States as well. Yeah. And so in the in the coming years, and this was in the late 90s, early 2000s, where he really just kind of blew up on an international scale. Absolutely blew up. I think he might have been, don't quote me, Times Person of the Year. Or like, he, there was some like big award like that it probably wasn't Ty's person of the year but he had some maybe yeah, a, a tonight like show time <laughs> i know i know that was 
But there was some, yeah. I forget what it was, but no, he like you're saying, he blew up. One awards, yeah, was a huge star, rising star, yeah, in, on the global scale, and then he, he quickly kind of became the number one most popular uh, animal related celebrity. Yeah, and all the proceeds went to conservation. The sorts. I mean, that's just basically, you know, paying for the different expeditions he did, donating mm-hmm. the money, going into the research. But that's all their money was spent on that. Expanding their zoo back in Australia. Yep. They they turned around and reinvested everything back into into their conservation efforts, which yeah. was really commendable. Yeah. Um, so while this is happening, started a family. Yep. They, uh, 1998, they had their first child, Bindi, and uh, Bindi, so her name is Bindi Sue Irwin, and Bindi was a crocodile, that was one of Steve's favorite crocodiles, and then <laughs> Sui was uh, his, a, dog. His, his dog that was yeah. like his ultimate sidekick. So he wanted to name his daughter after his dog, which hey, I mean, no, and that's a that's a good story there. Him and his dog, just like going out into the brush. I think the dog would help either spot crocodiles or spot pigs. Like the dog was involved, mm. and yeah, yeah, he grew quite the attachment. I think after Sui died, he swore off ever um, getting another dog. Yeah. Because he said that he wouldn't be able to handle the heartbreak. Yeah. he just loved... He... And that's Steve. He just loved yeah. animals so much. So he had, yeah. he had his dog and then yeah. well, when his dog passed, he, he couldn't get another one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then worth mentioning, talking about the shows, uh, it was just very authentic. The producers would push for CGI or different, you know, producers are trying to do their thing. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, he was very of the mind. It should just be like as is, and even as he grew in fame and the, you know, the television show got a ton of money. Yep. It's still just like someone with a camera out there, recording like, Steve in the wild, yeah, film, filming film, Steve do yeah. actual things, not like Bear Grylls doing like <laughs> the weird sets. Yeah, yeah. Where it looks like he's doing things that are more dangerous. I feel yeah, like Discovery Channel now, it's all so dramatized. Exactly. Exactly. Michael Phelps racing a shark. <laughs> um, yeah, very, yeah, very, almost, uh, very realistic filming. Yeah. For the way that they they did everything. Yeah. Do you think Phelps can beat a crocodile? Twenty miles an hour. That's like humans can run that fast. Can Phelps swim twenty miles an hour? No, I bet I bet Phelps could swim. Yeah, I mean, he can't swim as Eight fast. miles an hour? Oh, wow. Yeah. Humans just aren't fast swimmers. Yeah. I don't know. Then He's obviously he can't beat a too much great white shark. Like That's just a terrible premise. There's no way a great white shark can't swim faster than 10 miles. <laughs> that was Come on, Discovery Channel, get your shit together. They, they touted it as that, and then they weren't even... It was him swimming, and then it was like a CGI shark next to him. 
swimming at like a typical shark rate and i think he had a head start and yeah. it was just it was just completely yeah butchered yeah yeah but, um so bindi sue and then in 2003 they had a son robert clarence robert being steve's dad's name and clarence being terry's dad's name so naming Naming the kid after people now instead of yeah after you <laughs> after you get the uh, the dog and the crocodile named yeah. after does that mean then he must love the the first one more if he named them after animals and he loved animals so much well uh, I think from what I read he uh, that they weren't even they they didn't even think of any girl names before they had Bindi ah yeah and they really wanted that second one to be a boy um they went to great length steve well his so terry went on a strict diet which included not eating chocolate Mm. um steve he needed to keep his uh testicles at a cold temperature (laughs) so he would put ice cubes on them i think one time they were filming near a cold ocean and he just dropped drawers and go in the ocean Really? Yeah, because this would... I mean, I think that one he did as a joke. The yeah. throbbing drawers going in the ocean. But he would actually ice his yeah. testicles. And they were very serious about having the boy. And so I did some... A little bit of uh, internet searching to see mm-hmm. the validity of this. Of the methods that they used? Or just, not them specifically, but if you can influence the gender of your child... Um, so first thing I did was uh, consult a medical a doctor medical professional my sister wow consulted your sister yep I asked her she said lol no (laughs) (laughs) and then I pushed I said you know is there even a chance and she said nobody knows 100% it is conceivable it could have a small chance but doubtful it makes any significant difference. The studies are of poor quality and the results are still close to 50-50. So people are skeptical. <laughs> but online, which, you know, WebMD, yeah. it cites some stuff where there is this positive association. Mm-hmm. WebMD is quick to say, you know, it's an association doesn't imply anything. It's probably just, you so, know. So are there other methods that you can do? Yeah. So breakfast cereals and potassium-rich foods, there have been studies where there are associations. Again, take with a grain of salt because they're just, you know, associations probably more random or a result of other biases in the study than anything. Mm-hmm. But potassium, breakfast cereals, and in general, this is interesting, if you eat healthy, some studies suggest you are more likely to have a male. If you eat healthy, or do I have that backwards? If you eat unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and some people try to explain it uh, evolutionarily. So I have a brother. I don't have a sister. What are you trying to say about yeah, my parents? Your parents either did or did not... Um, Wait, which way is it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up. You're on both sides of the argument. 
So I'm just gonna make this up now. <laughs> so wait, but but there are uh, there are societies where people eat really healthy, like plant-based yeah. societies. Yeah. Do, so in those societies, do um, do they have a, a higher number of men or women? So I don't know. And also, I feel like what is healthy? I feel like the nutrition industry is plant-based healthy. Do you? Eat me. The food pyramid is a lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's a whole nother bag of worms. But, oh, another thing they say is having intercourse closer to ov- ov- ovulation makes it more likely to be a boy because I think during ovulation is your highest chance of getting pregnant. Conception. And I guess uh, the X chromosomes, which is the one needed for females you need like Mm. double x is a hardier chromosome Mm. so when there aren't many the hardier ones tend to win (laughs) and so so when there's more it's more it's more just kind of random who gets there first okay but yeah wow that that's mind-blowing so if it's during ovulation that's when you're most likely to have a boy yeah and conceive yeah in general yeah i don't trust any of this <laughs> i still think it's 50 50 but it worked for them it worked, it worked for them. <laughs> yeah as it turned out it was 50 50 for them. yeah yeah but they really wanted that boy the second time went to great length uh and got got right. the boy got the, got the got boy. the sister and brother combo yeah which is great and uh biddy definitely followed in her father's footsteps as far as it was kind of the apple did not fall far from the tree in uh, Bindi's case. And then Robert, the boy, he was kind of more of the, the brains behind the operation. It seemed like he was kind of, he wasn't as much of a adventurer or a mm. climber. Steve, huge climber. But he was more of a uh, an academic. Yeah. yeah. Scientific. Cool. When, when he was younger. Yeah. He was I mean, on, yeah. He's he was, 15 now, so. Yeah, he was on Jimmy Kimmel, you know, maybe when he was 12 or something. That made waves, and he looked a lot like Steve Irwin. Yeah, but both very, as Steve and Terry would say, wildlife warriors. Mm-hmm. I, I think they have a webpage with that domain. Yep. But, yeah, very wildlife family, and it's extended to the children as well Mm -hmm. so and then in between the two births in the year 2000 um kind of an unfortunate thing this was like a very surprising thing to read about was that his so his parents were moving they were they lived four hours away from the australia zoo and they were moving closer so they were going to live like nearby so that they could spend more time with bindi because she was years old at that point and so they were moving their stuff to the zoo and it was late at night and steve's mom lynn was driving either to or from the zoo and nearby went head on they they think the speculation is that she might have fallen asleep at the wheel and went head on into a tree and died basically on impact uh driving a car and that was like catastrophic for Steve um, really changed his kind of destroyed the fabric of 
um, his happiness for for a while there. Yeah, a very tragic story, and yeah, huge impact on Steve. Was inconsolable for a while. Yeah, and I definitely think he had a good connection with his mom. Yeah, which I don't know. Now that I say that out loud, <laughs> I don't know how much value that added. No, <laughs> no, <it> sad. <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely impacted his life. And I, yeah, and you know, Steve just had a big heart. <laughs> yeah, he had a big heart. And so, so he was, yeah, he was inconsolable for yeah, big hearts break hard months. And um, did a lot of like solo stuff trying yeah, to clear his head. Yeah, I think I do remember he went out into the brush maybe to clear his head. One thing he did, which seemed so wise, is when he needed to contemplate, he would build a fire and then just stare at the flame. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, <laughs> like that's just... <laughs> there's definitely something in in. It. In the genes, yeah. <laughs> There's something in the human chemistry that, <laughs> like, I says if I you get build that. a fire and then stare into the fire, that's like Game of Thrones, where they stare yeah. at the fire for yeah. one light. Oh wow! Yeah, you stare, stare <laughs> into the fire, find out your future. So, uh, that, that's yeah, yeah. He's a true natural, yeah, uh, natural guy. Yeah, very, very he's, natural. He would, Steve would not be staring at his phone. <laughs> he would not be a no, phone not, yeah no, definitely not <laughs> he stared at fire right? yeah yeah which is uh pretty cool so he had a, he had a couple controversies yep yep i mean yeah no continue continue what <laughs> no what were you gonna say I, I, I feel like so many celebrities just as people do have huge controversies or you know mm-hmm. black marks he didn't have any of those. You know what I'm saying? Like, as far as a celebrity without any scandals, I think Steve is, you know, in that category. But but yeah, let's talk about those controversies. He, um, now that I've made people super biased. Yeah. <laughs> now that you preface it. Okay, so this book, I'm looking for this part where, um, so I read, so the book I read, Crocodile Tears, which is, uh, it's basically like a fan fiction. <laughs> it's nonfiction, <laughs> but it's a hundred percent. It's written by Cheryl Beckstrom Guthrie, and uh, I, I, she had a lot of great information in it. And but sometimes she just like she just loves Steve Irwin so much, yeah, that I mean, it just comes yeah. out. So she was talking about the, she was talking about some of the controversies, and the whole time, it's just talking about how like horrible the media is and how much she hates the media. Yeah. And it was like paragraph, like multiple, like a full page about just how like horrible she thinks that everyone is. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I read the book written by his wife. So the same exact thing. This is our, our opinions are. Yeah. So, um, so one of them was that he was filming a documentary in Antarctica and, uh, he was accused by a lot by some people that he was disturbing the animals there, disturbing the wildlife. So he was, um, through his shooting that they were saying, because you, in Antarctica, you can't get within 15 feet of any wildlife so that you don't disturb their natural habitat. And people, so people accused him of getting too close, but I think he was exonerated from that one. Yeah. Um, the film footage kind of showed that he was, 
I guess he was accused of like trying to ride a whale or something like that. And it was, <laughs> he was actually straddling an iceberg. Yeah, yeah. No, I he, yeah. I mean, it's very much like him to be immersed like that. So it wouldn't surprise me if he got within the 15 feet. I think he was sliding down slopes with penguins. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this guy knows what he's doing. He's like such a conservationist. I, I'm not too concerned. Uh, yeah, he, you know he knows what he's doing. He's care, you know, treats the environment so well. Yeah, he yeah he did get some accusations about yeah just maybe not being as much of an environmentalist, which is yeah. which I think is kind of off base because it, it yeah. really takes yeah it misappropriates his tone. And what he was yeah. always trying to do. No, I, I think he's. I think yeah. If you look at anyone, especially a celebrity, and you talk about environmental, you can be like, oh, they fly all the time. Like airplanes yeah. take a ton of fuel. Um, but I mean, by and large, he was. You know, he's he had such a positive impact. And then he had the big. He had he had the big controversy. Yeah, yeah. Which was where um, Robert was a baby. And unfortunately for Steve, this was just after Michael Jackson had dangled his son over the balcony. <laughs> dangling the babies was hot in the news. <laughs> dangling babies was was uh, was something something that uh, people were watching out for. And he had Robert, and he was in he was in the the crocodile exhibit, feeding the crocodile with Robert. In, in his arm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. very close to the crocodile. So there was footage of this. And uh, Steve would s- stand up for what he believes in. He, um, the way that they raised their children was to get them indoctrinated with the animals as fast as possible so that they felt as comfortable as they could possibly be. Um, so Steve just thought it was normal. And he's an expert, so he thought everything was safe. But uh, when the video comes out and Robert was feet away from a crocodile trying to be fed yeah um, he got a lot of pushback he actually i think he apologized on nbc really yeah yeah no he got a ton of news press a lot of pushback i mean this was how he was raised you know he was obviously put in wildlife from the beginning mm-hmm. and i heard there were, there was so much news coverage that they had airplanes f- or helicopters flying over where they lived and they built canopies the Irwins did to avoid them from just they were just taking a bunch of you know pictures and so so that their helicopters couldn't take pictures while they're in their homes so it's definitely very newsworthy very I mean what's what's your take on it where where do you lie I think it was fine yeah I think it was fine yeah everything you see it was, he was safe yeah and the guy knows what he's doing. But, and that was, the author of this book said that he was just a victim of the times. Yeah. Because it was right after Michael Jackson. Yeah. And so people were pretty sensitive to yeah. endangering children. But <laughs> hit, but they, but people really wanted their kids to be taken away. There were people that wanted their kids yeah, to be no, taken the, away. Yeah, no, the Child Protection Services called and said, if, if you don't cooperate, we have that power. So it was very serious. But yeah, in my opinion, yeah, he yeah he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like a kid's more dangerous in a car than, you know, 
when someone who's an absolute expert in his field and you know like loves his kids very much yeah so would, yeah but would put his kids above, above anything else <laughs> more dangerous in a car yeah yeah um so but other very serious I'm just saying it was uh yeah the accusations were very serious oh I thought you were uh, for a second I thought we were segueing into something very serious no 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 more talk myself than anything <laughs> Uh, so before that, segue, uh, just a couple. He was a, a big athlete, so he was like a surfer, loved surfing. Um, he was really good at MMA. He would spar against everybody who worked at the zoo. Yeah. And sometimes people like M- trained MMA fighters would come in and spar with him. Yeah. Which I thought was super interesting that he was like a really top athlete. Yeah, I mean. The man wrestled Crocs. Yeah. Um, and the, if I'm being honest, I did Google uh, Steve Irwin shirtless. What did you see? <laughs> I, I didn't see anything, but I was like curious. <laughs> Wait, so you didn't find anything? No, I'm telling you, he's always wearing that one outfit. But I was curious. I'm like, what is what is like the physical specimen of someone who wrestles Crocs for a living look like? Um, but yeah, no probably pretty strong right that, that's what i'm thinking and this is just you know i mean the man wrestles crocs i'm looking at photos of him shirtless now yeah i didn't see anything no there's no, there's not much here Ooh, i'm seeing uh the shoulders oh look at this one <laughs> live look he's making quite a funny face yeah this is this is when he was younger I don't know. He looks, I, he looks that might be a rugby good. uniform. He also played rugby. Yeah, he did play rugby. He was a big rugby fan. Yeah. So, I don't know. He was an athlete. <laughs> he just Def- looks normal with a shirt on, I guess. Definitely an athlete. Yeah, he loved to surf. They would have uh, board meetings, and they were just on surfboards. Like their <laughs> company board meetings, they would go to the coast. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very much Steve style. Yeah. Never, never wanted to get cooped up in an office. Yeah. So, on September 4th, 2006, uh, Steve was in Australia and they were, uh, they were shooting a documentary over by the Great Barrier Reef. And the weather was bad, so they they couldn't shoot that day. So then he said that he decided he was going to get some footage for a documentary that Bindi was doing. And so they went out on like a like a dinghy, basically, him and his camera crew. And then Steve went snorkeling, and that was where, um, unfortunately, he met he met his match. And um, it's kind of interesting is that there's a lot of quotes from him basically saying that uh, he kind of it's almost like he knew that he was probably going to die doing doing what he loved Um, and he even said that if a crocodile were to get him really get him uh, to just let let him die really yeah because um, 
and it, he was just like he would have a quote where he was just like enthusiastic about the idea of like a of like a crocodile like actually managing to get him like it didn't scare him at all yeah. so um yeah that's that is crazy yeah it, he was, his, he was yeah a big law of nature person yeah yeah, I guess he took nature as it is, the good and the bad. But, no, his wife said he would say, <laughs> uh, his wife said he would say he hoped a crocodile wouldn't be the thing that killed him because he would worry it would undo all the work that he did um, promoting crocodiles. Uh-huh. But he very much accepted that could happen. Yeah. And is it, like you're saying, is, I mean, Obviously, right. for him, he, he maybe he didn't say specifically "Don't save me," but <laughs> he probably didn't say that. But he he wouldn't be mad at the crocodile. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, on this occasion, though, he was snorkeling. Uh, he was swimming with some stingrays, and then it was literally as simple as he um, just got too close to a stingray, startled it, and then it stuck him with uh, its tail, the barb, and when it stuck him, it went, it's unlucky, it went straight through his heart. Yeah. It stuck him right right through the chest, and it went straight through his heart, and he died pretty much instantly. Yeah. Crazy. Sad stuff. Definitely made the news right away. I think I remember it being in, in the news. Mm, yeah, it made yeah, it was international news for sure. The when when he passed because it was just so surprising. And, yeah, um, he died pretty much instantly, and so it was that day the accident happened, and then he was kind of dead on arrival at the hospital, and then um, pretty much the whole world mourned at that point. Yeah, wild stuff. So that it was yeah. A pretty as far as in the 21st century one of the more shocking um, passings that's that's occurred and so when they did the memorial at the Australia Zoo in the Crocosseum of all places wow uh, the article that I read said that 300 million people watched it the memorial service Wow that they they broadcasted it around the world and 300 million people watched it. That is crazy. The opening address was given by Russell Crowe. <laughs> did, did you know that? No. <laughs> yep. And um, so Terry and Terry gave like an impassioned speech and um, yeah, Russell Crowe and Steve Irwin are friends. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was like, this is the Russell Crowe I'm thinking of. It's um, funny. But Terry Terry gave a really impassioned speech. She actually won an award for speech of the year. Weird, kind of like I get it, but it's strange. Small consolation, I guess. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it doesn't surprise me they had such a connection. But it's a strange thing to give an award for. Yeah, but it's very sad. But uh, yeah, it, it, everyone kind of was heartbroken when he passed, and. Sad. Very crazy. I th- yeah, I think it brings up the question: Would you want your kid to pursue a career like Steve Irwin? If you had kids, would mm-hmm. you? Just and from they like wanted a safety to perspective. 
Yeah, I guess so. Or just, I mean, in general, if your kid's like, I want to be a croc, I want to study crocs, or I want to, like, I mean, I, I want to go, in, yeah. Whatever they want to do. Yeah. If they get enjoyment from it. Yeah. And they, um, and it's what they want to do. I guess you would encourage them to do that. I don't know if the crocodile, I would rather have them be a crocodile hunter than a mountain climber. Like ah, okay. one of those yeah. free climbing people. Exactly. Al- like Alex Alex, Hon- yeah, yeah, Alex Honnold. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same thing. It's That's what they love to do. That's what makes them feel alive. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'm of the mind, if you like something so much, you're willing to die for it, um, then good for you that you found something you like that much. Yeah. yeah. I wish I was as passionate about anything as Steve Irwin was about crocodiles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, but I'm passionate about podcasting. <laughs> I will die. <laughs> keep keep my voice, my, my research fingers going. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's been dedicated to Steve, and after his passing, which uh, led me to my Wikipedia deep dive into this, which was. Uh, related to a boat that was named after him. Yeah. Do you, do you recognize this? Do you know? I thought they had a they had a boat. They had a boat. Is it a different boat? It's a different boat. So they had a boat. Oh. They had Croc One. Okay, which yeah. Was their boat. Yeah. But this is a boat called MY Steve Irwin. Please tell me it is shaped like a crocodile. Not shaped like a crocodile, uh. to my knowledge. But the uh, the the operators of this boat is the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society. Sea Shepherd. The Sea Shepherd. Have you? Have you I might Google. Before? I might Google what a Sea Shepherd looks like. I don't know if it's like an actual animal. Oh, they're just called Sea Shepherds. Oh, shepherd like as in like the, the people. Sea. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, the the, the Sea Shepherd. <laughs> like the Australian Shepherd. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> It's a conservation society. Oh. So they, money was donated from Steve's foundation to fund them getting a boat. And this is like a super interesting organization. Yeah, I'm looking at their picture right now. It's got skulls. Like, it looks like a pirate flag. It's yep. got Poseidon's, whatever you call that, stabber thing. Yep. So they, what they do, this um, sea, it's hard to say, Sea Shepherd. What they do is um, they actually had a show. They had a TV show. And um, they're basically anti, anti-poaching, anti marine conservationists. And so in Japan, the Japanese government has like a big whaling industry. Yeah. And they, they hunt whales in the, the Pacific Ocean. And they try to say that it's for the reason of research even though they're just like mass hunting whales and harpooning them. I've heard this. So the Sea Shepherd, they would go in ships and try to intercept these boats and bother them to the point that they would stop whaling. So they would like get up really close and like film them and like yell and they would like throw stink bombs on the boats and stuff like that. (laughs) Literally. And so there was a TV show called Whale Wars where they 
yeah. were on one of the boats and they would go and they would try to, they would get close. Yeah. And, um, such a fine line between, you know, getting in their way and like assaulting them. <laughs> well, the, and this is the, so these whaling ships would like assault them. Yeah. They would use sure. water cannons and shoot water cannons. And they had like sound, like sonar cannons that they would shoot sonar at them. Like sound? You can yeah, shoot like, sound? Oh yeah, you can shoot Wild. sound. Yeah. What is it? There's, yeah, there, there's like targeted sound waves that you can use where you like shoot at someone and it just like gives them a huge headache. Oh. Yeah. Weird. Like it's really loud and it's really targeted. Oh. It's like a laser. So it's loud, okay. So okay. I can shoot it at you and it's loud and it's targeted and it, and you, and it disorients you. Yeah. This is a very interesting think, battle because they can't actually battle. No, yeah, they don't like they don't like militarily. Ram the ship. Yeah, yeah, but they're fucking pretty close. Yeah, but they're yeah they they are direct action, um, and it's pretty interesting how what they do. Then I think their their success rate was pretty low because they couldn't really do anything. But yeah, I mean they brought they brought a lot of knowledge. Too. So I was digging into the I was digging digging into their Wikipedia because uh, it kind of remi- made me remember the show. Yeah, that's that is insane. And uh, so they have. Wait, let me see their fleet. I'm pulling up their fleet now because <laughs> this is this is great. So they have the. Um, Um, Bob Barker is a ship that they have. The MY Bob Barker, which is named after Bob Barker. Who's Bob Barker? He's the um, old host of The Price is Right. Have you seen... Um, yep. I see an image. Happy Gilmore. I know. You remember uh. Happy Gilmore? Happy fights Bob, Bob Barker. <laughs> uh, and then also Martin Sheen has a Sea Shepherd boat named after him. Who's Charlie Sheen's dad. Wow, okay. He was in the West Wing. He was the president on the West Wing. The show? Yeah. Wow. So these are just legends of the business. Yeah. Oh, and they own ships on the Sea Shepherd. And then this other guy, Sam Simon, who I don't know who that is. But, uh, unfortunate news, after this, like, fun Sea Shepherd, in 2017, they stopped chasing the boats because, I guess, because the Japanese government had, has, like, enough technology now that they know where the Sea Shepherd boats are, and they just avoid them. Yeah. So, they use, like, military tactics. Yeah. It's crazy. So, the Japanese government, these businesses, they say they're doing it for research to get yeah. approval. Well, whoever's giving that approval, can't they just be like, this isn't for research? I guess I mean, you have it's no like means to force law. it. Yeah, yeah. It's international law that they're not allowed to do it, but they say it's research. And then there was an international court that said that what they were doing like, actually wasn't research, yeah. but they basically just ignored it. Yeah, exactly. How do you So force no one cares it? enough. Yeah. Like, the United States won't stand up to them about it. Yeah, I mean, to go, yeah. That's a crazy issue. Yeah. So Steve was big into the, yeah, into the whaling conservation. Oh he, yeah, he got very into the whales. Yeah, I remember hearing that. And then there was some story I don't remember exactly. His wife was talking about, but they were at a bar, 
and these guys were talking about these awful alligator farms or there was very I forget what they did to the alligators I don't know but it's, it was pretty terrible and Steve almost got into a fist fight with them they walked outside there was a whole thing yeah yeah he'll fight you in the name of animals <laughs> which is great and he was just such a happy-go-lucky guy like yeah. so high energy from a kid yeah he was just like hyperactive off the yeah. walls high energy no, non-stop non-stop Did, didn't need much need to be out in the wild yeah doing exactly. his thing yeah so basically i mean he was just everything he was chalked up to be yeah, everything yeah. I read about him was just more. It was even more so yeah. the caricature of Steve Irwin that you think of from from when we were kids. Exactly, he was that, and then more. Yeah, and he also big takeaway was just how into conservation he was. That that was his main goal. Yeah, was, you think of the TV show named Crocodile Hunter, and yeah. you don't think conservation. No, that name. no, but it's it's a good name. Yeah, yeah, it's got a good hook wild I might need to go to the bathroom <laughs> I've been waiting on um, <laughs> we, we, we can wrap up figure that was just yeah we can continue in the bathroom I don't know <laughs> we have to like close it out <laughs> you just got up and went to the bathroom I thought we last time didn't we just like randomly close it out I think we said goodbye Say goodbye. We'll edit it out. We'll edit it out. <laughs> no, so, long uh, pause. Did we say goodbye? Long, no, I we didn't say goodbye. No, I mean last time. I thought we we had some like after the fact we were gonna like edit it out or whatever. Anyways, all right, all right. We'll we'll edit that out no, if we you, want. You go to the bathroom. All right, but we can do a goodbye. If you have any ideas for a goodbye. Well, no, it's. It, I mean, it, I didn't really have any ideas. Yeah. So that was Steve Irwin. Johnny's heading off to the bathroom. <laughs> Johnny, uh, once once the podcast gets 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 longer than, I would say about an hour, maybe an hour and fifteen minutes, Johnny is probably in physical pain, and that's we're gonna have to figure something out. We're gonna have to get better at editing because, uh, I don't want him to be hurting. I want him to be at the top of his game, but alas, that'll be uh, that'll be it for us today. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed our foray into Steve Irwin. We will uh, talk to you again soon with a, with a new person, bring in some new insight, and uh, have some uh, more fun research. So thank you very much, everyone, and talk soon.